Triple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the premier podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Let's shine a bright light on sex and disability together. Connect with me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza, that's A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A, and use the hashtag DisabilityAfterDark. Hey there, guys. Thank you so much for coming back to Disability After Dark. Excited that you clicked on this episode. This one's going to be a good one, and I'm really excited to share it with you. Thanks for listening to the premiere podcast to shine light on sex and disability. I am over the moon that we are one of the only podcasts doing this work, and thank you so much for listening, for pledging, and for being a part of this journey with us. Thanks. So for the past two years in my work, I've been talking about touch. Touch is something that I've always been fascinated by and I've always wanted to talk and bring to the discussion around disability, but I never really knew how. And then one day, about two years ago, I was reading an excerpt from a book that I had gotten on sex and disability. I can't remember the excerpt right now, but I remember the book and I have it sitting in my study right now. And it's called Sex and Disability. And they went through kind of a kind of academic discussion around touch. And it was really, really powerful because I thought, this is great. This is an amazing beginning, but I have so many feelings about touch and disability myself as a disabled man that I want to share it. So I started writing about touch and disability as part of my work. Uh, And I wrote an article for HuffPost probably about two years ago now. And I've been talking about it on and off in my work pretty regularly because I think touch is such an important part of the discussion. And when it comes to touch, we all have certain ways that we learn about touch and certain touches that we enjoy and don't enjoy. And I think when you when you are disabled, the idea of touch takes on a whole different level and takes on a whole different dimension. I almost said dimension, but that's not what it is. It takes on a whole different meaning that I think we're often used to. And so I really want to get into touch today. And that's what the episode will be about. So let me give you the title of today's episode. The title of today's episode is The Trauma and Triumph of Touch, Sex, and Disability. Now I know that sounds kind of dramatic and kind of cool, but I liked it. And I think there is a lot of trauma and triumph in the way that people with disabilities in the disabled community are touched and how we interpret that touch and what that touch means for us, I think is really important, especially when it comes to how we view our bodies and how we view our sexuality. And so that's kind of where I want to anchor the episode today. Before I get into the really deep stuff, I want to kind of talk about how we just generally as a society have come to learn and come to understand about touch. And I want to go through all that with you and then we'll get into the to how touch is connected really intimately to disability. And then we'll talk about how that's connected to sex. So let's break all this down. I think we all understand on some primal level the importance 
and the necessity of touch. And we recognize just how critically important touch is in our lives. It's an important part of our human development. When I was looking and doing some research for this piece to talk about touch, every single article I found said that being touched and being held and being being hugged and being caressed was a critically important part of growing up as a person and that we all of us deserve that touch in some way or another and that touches is makes us kind of who, who we are and grounds us, us to humanity and it certainly as we know connects us to the people in the world around us I mean, one of the first people you get to touch when you are growing up is your mom and your family, and they hug you, and they cradle you, and they swaddle you, and they caress you, and, and that's kind of how you learn about touch, and how you learn to be touched, and how you learn to touch someone else, and these these markers in your life become very, very, very important, um, because it, it, again, it grounds you to the people that love you, and it grounds you to understand what loving touch is, and I think that... I'm just thinking about it now. I'm talking out loud, actually. When I was born, I had to be in an incubator. And I'd love to talk to my mom about how I don't think she could touch me right away. I think I had to immediately go into an incubator to live. So I think that I'll have to ask her. And if you guys want, I can I can definitely have my mom on the show to talk about kind of her her growing up with me. We kind of grew up together, my mom and I. So I think that, anyway, the point is that I don't think she touched me right away because of all the machines and my body and the CP and all those things were happening. And it was a really scary time. So I can imagine for her, and this is all coming, this was not in my notes, this just kind of came to me right now. Um, I can imagine that not being able to touch your disabled kid might might have been weird. And I'm, I can definitely ask her about that. But I don't think I was touched right away. Um, because I was so weak and needed an incubator. So imagine the first thing that happens to you as a disabled person, in many cases, is that you get put into an incubator, and you get put into machines, and you get touched by all these doctors, and your very first touch is medical. And again, this part wasn't in my notes. This kind of sprang to me as I was reading my notes about how much as a disabled person your, you know, touch can be different for you. And I mean, we're also, now let's go back to what we as society are also taught. We're also taught, and I think many of us take touch for granted. We're taught as a society that no one can touch us without our consent. We are taught that we are the gatekeepers of who is allowed to touch us and how they can touch us. This is what society generally is taught when it comes to our bodies and our bodily autonomy and we're taught that touch is a very intimate thing and we're taught that only certain people are allowed to touch us and if other people do that's not okay and and we have a right to be touched how we want to be touched and and who how we get to be touched and then so that's and in a lot of social justice work this is what we're talking about when we talk about sexual touch and consent and all those things we talk about bodily autonomy and how important that is. And then when we, if we look into touch in terms of sexuality, we there is an expectation in a certain way that we expect to be touched sexually. We overlook it and don't really consider 
touch sometimes. I think it's just it's a, it's an innate expectation that when it comes to sex, you're going to be touched a certain way, and that is to be expected. There are love songs, movies, and porn about how all of this happens and how this touch goes and how people want to be touched and how touch is sexy and how I wish you would caress me and all these things. All of this stuff is ingrained in our society about how touch is supposed to happen to us. And I think when you are disabled and when you are a person living with various levels of disability, touch... The idea of touch, our whole understanding of what it means to be touched shifts and changes and morphs into this thing that nobody really knows how to handle. So now I want to talk a little bit about how touch affects a disabled person and what touch is when you are disabled and how touch is different than what I think society generally believes touch to be. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how touch has affected me as a disabled person and and then we'll go into the sexier stuff in a little bit but before i do that we got to play some ads so stay tuned and we'll be right back on the premiere podcast shining a light on sex and disability disability after dark this episode of disability after dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of come as you are Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hi, my name is Michael Iantorno, and I produce AMI-audio's weekly panel discussion show, Open Dialogue. I also listen to Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. Hello again. Hope you enjoyed those shameless plugs. Thank you to our sponsor, Come As You Are. Thank you to the individuals who have made our um, little ad saying they listen to the show. If you want to make one, I would love to send you the copy and the words you can say. You can record them on your phone. You can record them on your computer and you can send them to me and we can play them during a future episode. This means that you are creating conversation around sex and disability and helping to keep crippled content like this thriving. So thank you so much. One last big favor also before we get back to the show. Tell your friends. Tell your friends about the show. Talk about it. Disagree with it. Have people listen to it so we can get the show up on iTunes and and within the 100 uh, best shows Every week, I really want to get it moving. I want to get it up there as best I can. Please leave a review on iTunes. Please leave a review on my website, andrewgerza.com slash reviews. Talk about it. Talk to me about it. Send me emails about it. Let's really get this show moving, guys. Thank you so much. Now let's get back to the show. Thanks a lot. Okay, so we're talking about touch. And what is touch when you are disabled? What is that what does that feel like and how does that begin and how does that morph from what we expect touch to be as a society generally to what it is when you are disabled so now i'm gonna now talk about my experience being touched and so when 
when I am touched, and when you're touched as a disabled person, um, you are generally touched by doctors. As I kind of alluded to with my first experience being born, I was in an incubator for three months, and I don't really know how often I was touched by an actual person. And then you get touched by your family, yes, but also by attendants, by caregivers, by nurses, sometimes by plastic machines or plastic things to keep you, you know, your body functioning or sometimes catheters have to go inside you that touch you that are weird. Things, you know, that are not necessarily the most comfortable touch. And so your touch can really be related to the way you are disabled. And that can be really hard sometimes because this kind of touch is extremely medicalized and extremely sanitized because it has to be sometimes because to keep you healthy and to keep you okay, a lot of the way you you need to be touched as a disabled person needs to be clean, needs to be sterile, and needs to be purposeful. You need to touch the person with, with sometimes precision to make sure that they are, they are okay, that everything is okay, that they are being touched appropriately for what their needs are. And so you really begin to, as a disabled person, you really begin to learn that this touch, the way you're being touched as a disabled person, even from a very young age, from the time I was about three or four, I remember understanding the difference and the dichotomy in this touch. And the way that I, that I was being touched was because I had to be touched that way. You learn that this is part of a routine. This is part of your day. This is part of what you need. It becomes, it really truly does become second nature. It really truly becomes part of your disabled experience. And as part of these routines with touch come certain things like gloves, sometimes masks, sometimes machines. The touch is full of precision and training done by people who may mean very well and who may be very nice and who may be doing their jobs to assist you and who are, who are good that way. But they may also have just done this kind of touch to three or four other people that day before they got to you. So it is there is a sense that this touch is not, there's no intimacy in this touch. There's no connection, and in part because there shouldn't be. There's a boundary that needs, that oftentimes needs to be respected between myself and the worker. And again, you understand this is something that is innate. This, this, is, this is something you don't even ever have to talk about because it just is, and you just start managing that and understanding that this way of being touched is how you're going to be touched. You, this is part of your life. This is part of your experience. And so you just manage that as best you can. But even though you're managing it, and even though you're doing your best, and even though you understand that this is part of your reality and part of your experience as a disabled person, even though you're doing all of that and you're doing your best and you're working within these very rigid confines of touch, it, send, it does send a very strong message to the disabled person, to every disabled person who needs to be touched this way. It lets them know in one way or another that in some way their body and their bodily autonomy, which we fight for all the time when we talk about our bodies, it, it lets us know that, that we really don't have autonomy here. We really don't have any say over what happens because if we refuse a particular level of touch we might not be able to get out of bed. We might not be able to get dressed. We might not be able to put pants on. 
we might not be able to even go pee by ourselves if we don't let somebody touch us. And that can be really, I think, traumatizing to a disabled person. And, and there's a trauma there. There is definitely a trauma that happens with that. Um, you also have to come to terms with the fact that when they touch you, whatever happens as a result of that touch, you will have to deal with. Not them, not the attendant, not the nurse, not the doctor, but you. Your body will experience whatever the consequence or outcome of this touch is. And that in itself can be terrifying and, and can be really tough to swallow for a disabled person trying to navigate their own body and trying to see them, especially if you're growing up as a young disabled person, trying to trying to see your body as sexy or see your body as worthy of a particular type of touch. That kind of experience with touch and knowing that touch isn't really yours and you can't be touched in the way you may or may not, you may, I fumbled there, you, that you can't be touched the way that you want to be touched, that can really, it can fuck you up in, in a lot of ways. For the people who are non-disabled, who are listening to, listening to this right now and trying to grasp what I'm saying and trying to understand, kind of, and visualize what I'm saying, I'd like you to close your eyes for a minute. I'd like you to envision yourself lying in bed in the dead turtle position and envision yourself waiting for an attendant to come get you up. So you're lying in bed and you can't move. It's, let's say, let's use my wake up as an example. So it's 8.30 in the morning. You're naked from the from the from the bottom half down. Your junk's hanging out. You're just you're just chilling by yourself in bed, and you know that in order for you to do anything today, somebody else has to touch you, and they have to touch you rather intimately for you to get the care you need. So they have to they have to touch your genitals. They have to touch your body. They have to touch you, but they have to do so with gloves, and they have to do so with with a like like I was saying a precision around your body. That is very, very technical and very, very trained and very, very... It's very well done, but it's very much a routine. Imagine that you weren't able to be touched the way you want to be every morning and somebody didn't hug you. Somebody didn't say good morning and pat you on the shoulder. Somebody didn't say, like, you know, somebody wasn't there giving you these cues to say, I, I see you as a person that I care about. Because whether or not the attendant does care about you, these these boundaries cannot be crossed. So the touch you're receiving is not pleasant. It's necessary. So close your eyes and picture that for a minute. Picture somebody grabbing your, your genitals and shoving a catheter out there first thing in the morning. Now, when I wake up and think about, think about the way that I want my genitals to be touched in the morning, it's certainly not like that. It's certainly that that's not... Having somebody throw in a glove and grab my cock is not how I want... My morning to begin, but that's 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 how my morning begins, and so this is this is how you immediately begin to compartmentalize your touch every day by being touched in a very particular way. And so there have been moments where I've been lying in my bed with the attendant, literally trying to sleep and trying to envision myself in any other situation because I wanted the touch to mean something that it couldn't. So I'm so there doing their thing with me and they're touching my balls and they're doing all their necessary stuff and I'm trying to just relax 
and put myself in a situation where some sexy ginger is touching my balls with his beard or something to 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 tell myself that you are still sexually viable, you deserve this kind of touch that you're dreaming about, but the touch you're receiving right now is is required. And so it's been really hard to get to that place where you can see your body as something worthy of touch that isn't transactional. It's really, really a difficult place to find yourself when you've never been given that as an option. I also want you to think about what it would mean to only have that touch for a number of months. I've talked previously about how um, sometimes my sexual sexual activity kind of goes in, in dry spells from, from some months here and there, and I don't get to access sex as easily as I'd like to. I've talked about that. Imagine, though, the only way you're touched for almost a year, sometimes longer, is in this very medicalized way, and the only way you can engage in sex or sexuality with yourself is either through masturbation, which, as we've talked about, isn't always as easy as we'd like it to be when we're disabled, or through these fantasies that you create for yourself because no one else is touching you the other way. So imagine imagine the 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 way that this touch affects you as a disabled person. Um, and imagine if you're non-disabled, that that is the only kind of medicalized, sanitized touch that you can receive and you are allowed to receive. And I see other people out there in the world being touched, being hugged, being caressed, being, you know, having, holding their hands with each other down the street. And I think to myself, that's not the kind of touch that I'm allowed to have. Whether this is subconscious or not, it is a thought that's crossed my mind many times. This is not a touch that I'm allowed to engage in, so I'm not even going to worry about it because that will never happen for me. That kind of touch will never happen for me. And it is not something that I can permanently rely on ever getting. So I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm simply going to bring myself to a place where this kind of touch that I'm receiving is the only touch that I will get. And you you teach yourself that you're kind of okay with that. But as I said, there's a trauma that comes with only being ever touched that way. And that never really ever goes away. So now I want to move into how all of this stuff connects to our sexuality and connects to sex and disability because it is a sex and disability podcast. So let's talk about sex and disability and touch and how the trauma and triumphs of touch affect us sexually. So when it comes to sex, disability, and touch for me, there are moments and there are still going to be moments when the idea of touching or being touched by somebody else sexually is terrifying. And I don't mean terrifying in a non-consensual sort of way. I mean terrifying in a, oh my God, this is happening. I'm allowed to do this. I get to do this. Someone's going to do this with me kind of way. Um, and it takes a long time for me to center myself, to be comfortable enough to be touched by another person sexually and there are moments when I'm being touched by somebody else in a sexual context where you're like oh this is not purposeful what why why are they touching me this way why what is the end goal here um, and it does take a really 
large amount of time for me to be comfortable being touched, even though I like it. Like, I, I've talked about in previous episodes, I think episode 18, where I talk about what makes me come as a cripple. Um, I talk about touch a little bit. Uh, but, you know, it really does, touch is so important to me, and I get so overwhelmed by this touch that it can sometimes be, even when it's great, and when it's good, and I fully consent to the touch that I'm receiving, it can be really extremely overwhelming. It can, it can be just my sense is going to overload because I've never I'm never touched this way. My sense is going to extreme overload because I've never touched this way, and it's I have to before anyone touches me during sex. I really have to take a deep breath. I take a deep. Breath in while also trying to remain sexy and crippled as fuck the whole time. Because I am, you know. And I really try to center myself. I get the same way when I get to touch somebody else. I get the same way when I'm, I'm when I, I have somebody who's really, really, who I'm having sex with in front of me. And I get to touch their body. Because I don't often feel like I'm allowed to touch them. Because of the way... That touch has been taught to me in a transactional, procedural sort of way. I sometimes feel like I'm not allowed to touch you back. I'm not allowed to touch you that way unless I'm touching you with a very specific purpose. And like sometimes I think, and this is totally irrational. Sometimes I'm like, what if I touch you and my disability gets all over you? Like what? What's gonna happen then? And so it really takes me a minute to engage with the proper kind of touch that I want. And then it's happening. It can be really, really, even even the best parts of touch, sex, and disability can be traumatizing. I'll be honest and say that even if I like the touch and I'm, I'm totally into it and it feels super good, I also have a moment where I kind of die inside a little bit because I'm like, soon, soon this touch is going to go away and soon I'll be relegated back to the touch that I'm used to and that really sucks and so I remember I know that when I am engaging in in tactile play with somebody I really try to grasp onto those moments and never let go because who knows when it's going to come back who knows when I'm going to be touched that way again um and that there's trauma in that there's trauma in knowing that this touch is is not permanent I think everybody who is sexually active needs to realize that whether you're disabled or not or able-bodied, the, the, there's no permanence in the way you're being touched. And I think that's one of the things that we take for granted when we have sex as a society generally, that these, these touches and these feelings, will, these feelings will return again, whether it be with a different partner or, or with ourselves or with a toy. These feelings might return again, but when you're disabled, there's a real fear that this touch might never come back. This touch might never be yours to have again. And so I've dealt with a lot of trauma, trauma around being touched and touching someone else the way that I want to because, not because I didn't enjoy it, but because it might not return. I asked some people on Facebook and I put a call out last night before recording this and asked some followers of mine to tell me, disabled people to tell me about touch and tell me what touch means for them as disabled people and why it's so important. So we can get a really important overview because my, my views are one, but other people with disabilities have other 
feelings around touch. And I really want to get people understanding how 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 important these viewpoints are. So I'm going to read some of the comments that I got from, from my um, Facebook callout last night. My Facebook callout says directly, Disabled peeps, why is touch important to you? What does it mean to you? What does it feel like? And the comments I got, one comment I got from a, from a follower of mine says, Deliberate caring touch helps me relax and feel grounded. When I get to snuggle on a regular basis, my pain level and my stress levels can be noticeably lower. I also love experiencing touch from new people, even if it is just therapeutic, in order to see who has the type of touch that goes beyond the sensations of pressure and movement but goes further to set off nerve tingles and energy shifts. That can be really interesting. The few occasions I've been able to in experience intimate touch has been significantly help my pain levels for a decent number of hours after and it is helping me to awaken different levels of touch awareness and trust in my body that it isn't as broken as and as dysfunctional as I once thought. So this follower and thank you, you know who you are, thank you for saying that touch breeds trust and that's very true and that's one of the things that I was talking about, me centering myself is getting to a place where I can trust the experience. Another follower of mine says that being touched and touching reminds them that they can be in control sometimes. So by being able to touch somebody sexually, you get to understand that you're in control and you get to do this and this is something you have access to. And I think for disabled people, understanding that being allowed to touch somebody else and to be touched by somebody else is very, very important and does connect to control, for sure. Another follower says, Touch is extremely important to me. It reminds me that I am a sexual and loving person and that I too need nurturing feeling expressed by another human being. And yes, it can also be therapeutic, even empowering. I agree that touch reminds us sometimes that we are human and that underneath all of our crippled stuff, all of our disabled stuff, there's a person that wants nurturing, that deserves nurturing, and that needs nurturing. And I think when we're touched by sexual partners, we need to remind them that this touch is really important to us. It's not just part of the play. It's not just part of foreplay. It's connecting us to our disabled, crippled bodies more than I think they may realize. And if you're having sex with a non-disabled person who has never experienced disability before, take note, future lovers, this is something you should be very, very aware of. And lastly, one follower says, One of my favorite topics. I'm a touch person to begin with, and on top of that, I feel like my blindness enhances touch and what it means to a degree. I explained to sighted folks that touch is like eye contact. It helps me, it helps me feel connected and like the other person is engaged with who I am and what I'm saying or feeling. That's totally true, and I am not a person with low vision or, or blindness, so I don't know, I'm not going to speak to that, but I really appreciate your perspective, follower. Thanks so much, you totally know who you are, and I would love to have you on the show to talk about sexuality um, and low vision and, and how those things intersect, because that is a world that I am not at all versed in, so I'd love to learn more.
I also really quickly want to say that when you touch me as a disabled person the right way, and when I get really into it, and when it really is exciting and, and right, it feels wonderful to to bust those shackles of procedure and transaction around touch and just be touched. So if we are having sex and you're touching me and it feels really good and you can see me responding really intensely to probably what you might consider not not that sexy of a touch, it's because that's never fucking happened to me before or it hasn't happened in a very long time. And it's like letting the, the gimpy genie out of the bottle and it's fucking incredible. So if you touch me the right way, even a little bit, I'm going to respond super well. And I think that anybody with disability who has, who is denied that kind of touch, when it happens for them, it's like, it's like euphoria. It's like you're being, it's a, it's a whole new world. That's the best way that I can describe it. Yeah, I did just break out some Disney there, but sue me, it's awesome. Um, all right, so there's so much more on touch that I could talk about, but I wanted to just throw out some thoughts in this brief episode. If you have thoughts on touch, sex, and disability, and you want me to do another episode, let me know via email, leave a review, and let's get this topic trending. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, read my blogs, or book me to bring disability to you, head over to www.andrewgerza.com. Also, if you're listening to this in iTunes, please rate and review us so more people can find the show. Copyright Notice This program was created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Any and all materials, including graphics, music, and audio recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission.